Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I am the editor here at uh, this rodeo. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am, I don't know. <laughs> it's another day. It is. In our endless, in our endless... Well, it's April now, so we've moved on to... And I feel like we can act. I feel like we can actually say that it is April. Unlike unlike last year, where we were like, "It's April." No, it's not. It's just still March. Like I feel like for the first time in a really long time that like time has begun to move again. And I, I don't know if that, maybe that's just me, but I I feel like I don't. I'm I agree, but I'm also like terrified of getting my hopes up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally understand. Like I don't know. I feel like. I, I, we'll get to the actual topic in a second, I promise, folks. But I feel like I'm going to have a lot of re-entry anxiety, if you know what I mean. Like, when we get back to, like, real life-ish. I think real life is going to look different from the before times. But I also am having a lot of anxiety about what that means. For me, for everyone, I don't know. I think everyone is going to have that, though. Like, to at least some extent. Even if they don't know it. Even if they're not self-aware enough to feel it. Maybe maybe they'll even have, like, opposite reactions. Like, you know... Oh, yeah, where they're like, I'm going to go to a bar every night because I can now. Yeah, exactly. 20-year-old me, 20 me would have probably done that. Yeah. Now I'm just tired. So, honestly, like, I feel like everyone's going to have some kind of, like, mental response to this. Whether or not they know it. And uh, it's just a matter of which side of the line you fall on. And how much you let it control your actions. Apparently, it's going to uh, control my actions quite a bit. Um, so what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about murder. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have said this on the pod before, but I am a big, uh, or rather I have become, thanks to other podcasts that I listen to religiously, kind of a big true crime person. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this show today and it is netflix's the serpent i wanted to try to like make the sns sound but i can't do that so i'm not going to um yeah so the serpent aired um over in the uk basically uh back in january i guess is when it started um and basically ran through mid-february and it was huge over over there first of all like we should be clear about this like the, the Serpent was the most streamed series on iPlayer since, like, 2019's Normal People. And Normal People was on BBC Three, which isn't actually a channel, it's just streaming. So, basically, this is the biggest show that's been on the air that also became, like, a massive streaming hit. Um, so, um, when, I, when, when Netflix, you know, announced that they were basically picking this up and that it was coming over here, I was very excited about this because, you know, I, I, I really wanted to see what all the excitement was about. Now, unlike you, I'm not a true crime fan. I love detective fiction. Oh, my gosh. People, people, people listening, please email me all your favorite true crime podcasts. I have so many recommendations. Um. <laughs> I am I am not a bi- as big a true crime fan as you are. I do like detective fiction, though, and I really love period pieces. And one of the things about this that was, to me, a big selling point is that it is a period piece set in a very specific time and place that we don't talk about or really, like, see in American media mm-hmm. ever. Well, and also as somebody who does love true crime stories, I had actually very little knowledge of the serial killer that this show is about based on tells the story of. I don't know. I always struggle with how to talk about some of this stuff because I don't want to like glamorize a mass murderer, which the show does do a little bit at times. But a lot of it is in the soundtrack and fashion choices. Yeah. But um yeah I don't I don't know but like I didn't I really enjoyed this because it's not like watching a a Manson show or something like we don't know as Americans as Americans we are often very limited in our exposure to like some things that happen outside of our country and I did not know very much about this man or all the horrible things he did so it was fascinating and also really made me grateful for the GPS device on my phone (laughs) So uh, why why don't you uh, sum up for us the uh, the okay yeah um so this the serpent is the story of a guy named whose whose actual real name is Charles how do you pronounce Sabraj yeah Sabraj Charles Sabraj I don't know if I'm mispronouncing your name you're a mass murderer so I don't care <laughs> um 
So he, in 1975 and 1976, killed at least a dozen people. Probably more, actually. A dozen is the is the amount he was charged with. He was he was referred to as the bikini killer in at the time in the tabloids. Um, he killed at least a dozen people in in and around Southeast Asia in 1975 and 1976 on what was then called like the hippie trail, because in the aftermath of the Vietnam War, there was. You know, you see it in American history as well. There was sort of like the upswell of of the sort of love all, serve all mentality. And like people wanted to go find Nirvana in the Far East. And so all of these Western, you know, all these Western, I say kids, they were probably in their 20s because I'm an old woman. And they go to, they go to Thailand, they go to Nepal, they go to Pakistan, they go to Afghanistan to sort of find Nirvana and enlightenment and just sort of bum around a quarter of the world where it's very easy to embrace alternative religions, to kind of literally lose yourself and just explore a culture that's very different from ours. So Charles Sabraj preyed on a lot of these people. He would drug them, try to convince them he was sort of their friend, rob them, steal their passports, and eventually he started poisoning them. And it's it's wild. Like, the show is... One of the things that the show, I think, is best at is kind of ramping up the sort of really uncomfortable terror of the way a lot of these kids died, who, especially the girl named, there's a girl named Teresa who's literally heading to Nepal to join a monastery. And she wants to have like one last night out in, I think, in Bangkok and, and she never makes it to the monastery and it's really like disturbing and sad. But uh, yeah, this guy sucks. And is, to the best of my knowledge, still in jail, where I hope he rots. Um, so the thing about this time and place is that it, it is a very... It, it, okay, first of all, it's not something that Americans are very aware of, because Ameri- a, a lot of Americans didn't actually go do this. This was much more of a Euro thing, first of all. Um, second... Um, this was a little bit more like my um i remember when um i don't remember if you remember the the free tibet stuff from the late 90s that was when i was in college and i actually came home with one of those free tibet stickers and my dad was like you know when i was your age kids my kids your age went to tibet and basically bummed around like this and like he had known like uni students who had basically like gone off and basically done this and it was basically considered like a cheap way to take like you know your gap year vacation to disappear for months on end while spending your parents' money cheaply that you had. And uh, and and so, like, I, I, I'd always sort of known that this was sort of a thing, but it, I never really quite understood it until I watched this, this show. Like, I really felt like for the first time I understood, like, what it was that, was, that, that my dad was referring to when he told me about this. That it, it was this kind of, like, end of empire. Like, there's almost this level of, like, real... Uh, privilege among these white kids who basically go to this country and sort of just bum around in it with no like you know because the drugs are cheap and it's easy to live and you just sort of live in a flop house and you don't really care whether or not you're clean and and that which is truly like what which is truly what um sabraj counted on i think because he counted on um everybody who was already there not even noticing what was happening to these people because they were sort of I mean, disposable a little bit like, oh, another Westerner just did too many drugs. Yeah, exactly. And that and that the authorities didn't see these people with any kind of respect that these were kids that these were basically badly behaved kids, spoiled white kids who had money and didn't want to like actually go work for a living. So they came here and hung out in the heat and smoked a lot of weed and partied a bunch and had lots of sex and were were basically like non-responsible citizens. And so like one of the things that 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 um our our, our hero Herman um who is the uh, Dutch uh uh, attache who sort of like glommed onto Charles and discovered these cases and sort of put the whole thing together that he, part of because the problem- a pair of, because a pair of Dutch backpackers disappeared yeah in the first episode a pair of Dutch backpackers Willem and Lena um basically die in front of us um killed by Charles and and his girlfriend Marie and who goes by Monique and uh and and their helper AJ like uh the they uh 
basically they um he he sort of gloms onto this but he can't get anywhere like his boss is like who cares about this like literally the dutch ambassador is like i don't want to be bothered with this i don't care that these people died i don't care about any of this and like every single person that he tries to bring the case to they're like who cares about the long hairs so a few long hairs died whatever like it's not the, these are not like real people to them that are worthy they're not citizens worthy of like like seeking out justice for you know because they basically were coming to do to live this sort of privileged life and get away from it all and not and 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 weren't going on proper vacations they weren't going on you know they weren't being respectable um, so I, I thought that I thought the show really caught that sort of attitude and and that reality of the situation really well in the way it's shot and in the music and in just the feeling like I just I felt very much like I, I really got the sense of what this place was at that time. I agree. That being said, like I as I said, I true crime is not really quite my thing and you know um for a very long time i used to write about game of thrones all the time people would come up to me and they would need to tell me that well i watched the first episode of game of thrones and this is not for me and i always never understood why people did that and i'm saying that because i watched the first episode of the sherpet and i was like oh god this is not for me (laughs) (laughs) is it because of the murder yeah the murder it's not just it's not just the murder it's the way that like um, and I, as you said, like there's there's a level where the show really sort of shows you the the dawning horror of how these people died. Like watching Willem and Lena in that first episode writhe in poison pain in bed because they've been poisoned and like beg people for help, like beg Marie to save them. Yeah, like they know they're dying and they don't know what's wrong and they don't know why their stomach won't stop hurting and they don't understand why they can't keep food down and they or can't keep food in and they're base and they don't know what's wrong with them. It's just like everything about it is just so uncomfortable and so terrible and like I get that this is supposed to basically like unglamorize what he did but at the same time I was like I don't after the first episode I was like I have seven more episodes of watching people writhing to death in bed like I was like oh god I don't know if I can do this I mean not every episode but it's a lot (laughs) but it's a Um, lot (laughs) the big the big thing I think we have to tell people about is is this is a show I think that does work better as a binge. Absolutely. Because because it is not linear and it loves a jump cut. And it, it is actually, especially in the early episodes, a little bit hard to keep track of where you are, what's happening, what year it is, because it doesn't just parallel like Charles and Marie who go by Elaine and Monique in this portion of the show. Uh, robbing and murdering people like then it'll jump like several years like there are a lot of title cards that are like three months later two years later two years later like it's it jumps around a lot in time and I don't I don't know if I think that's always to the show's benefit especially in the early episodes I'm almost positive it's not but if you're binging it it's easier to take as someone who is really into like non-linear storytelling like i loved the witcher and the fact that i had three timelines that i was trying to keep track of none of which were running in parallel like i loved that you know like i am i am totally into that kind of thing and i found this too much like it was just too much um also this is in general this is like the big thing that you get in prestige tv now like i i can't tell you the number of shows in which I watched the first episode and the first scene is like this wild like middle of middle of the action moment and then it suddenly freezes and then you get a title card you know two years later 24 hours earlier seven years before and then you jump to the most boring thing you've ever seen and we sort of get this you know this sort of like you know slowly telling the story until at some point you rejoin the action from that very first scene already in progress. Yeah, this show does not do that. (laughs) Um, And I felt like this show took that trope to like its nth degree. Like you started like every every scene was that middle of the action scene and then jumping back and then taking you to the middle of the action scene and then jumping back and then taking you to a different and then going over there and going over here. And like I, I felt again like 
honestly, like there was a level where I think if this was a weekly show, I would not have come back for episode two. Oh no, I, that's why. That's why I said I think this is definitely a binge show because, like, I like especially in the first two episodes before you sort of get used to the fact that this happens in every episode, it's almost enough to make you stop. Because it's really hard, um, not just from sort of a, a keep the narrative in order perspective, but because we don't, it's hard to, it's it's hard to build kind of like a narrative through line for the characters and the character development. I know these are based on real people, but they're also characters in the show. And I think they sort of do recognize that to a certain extent, because in like the second episode, they jump backward to kind of show you how Marie slash Monique ends up with charles slash elaine and and a bit of like what her backstory is and how she ended up in in thailand in the first place because she's from canada and that does help you give a get a little bit better of a grasp of like what she's doing in the story but you don't get that episode about charles until like episode six or seven <laughs> it's I, I think it's seven where you actually maybe it's seven the one where he goes back and we, we start with his wedding i think that's seven. yeah and we we like see his mom and his first wife and not that i think that it's necessary to have that i don't think this is a character that needs to be like humanized or understood in any way but i do think this particular, like I said, I listen to a lot of true crime. I think that this particular kind of monster who who trades on his sort of Manson-like ability to be charming and control people, I think you do need a little bit of a window into how he like developed that ability. Because in the first few episodes, I will say that for Marie, it's hard to know like what she sees in him or why she's there. Throughout the entire series, I can't answer that question about AJ. Like they never give me the reason why he is why he is willing to murder people for him. And they never tell you like where he went. He just suddenly disappears. Like was No, he that's in- real though. I Wikipedia that. Um he literally was cited like once in the seventies and just never like I don't know. Nothing, nobody knows what happened to him. Was he like a victim? Like, I feel like if he'd been a victim, that would have been part of the show. But yeah, like that was... Yeah, no one... Apparently, according to Wikipedia, no one knows. Weird. Um, I have to say, so Jenna Coleman is uh plays the, the, the Marie slash Monique slash whatever she calls herself in whatever episode. And I have to say, like, I genuinely love her performance. And honestly, she was what I latched onto when this show became too much for me. Um, when, when I couldn't deal with, with the, with the, with the gruesome slowness of the murders or, or, or Charles being completely creepy and yet everyone charmed by him, like she was what I seized onto and her performance. Um, the thing that really struck me in the very first episode when I was reaching the point where I was like, I don't know if I can watch eight episodes of this was when uh, Lena is basically begging her, help us, help us. And she's standing there blank faced. And there's something about like that moment of, of watching Coleman's performance as Marie, like basically sort of willing herself through this almost. And you know what sucks is that they don't give you that they don't give you the backstory of that moment until like four episodes later. Right? But at the same time, like that was that she she's mesmerizing almost as this sort of I I, I, I hesitate to call her a victim because she clearly like actively participated in many of these murders. But there's like it's almost like she's completely removed herself from the reality around her and she's living in her own like complete like secondary track narrative of what's going on around her of Mm -hmm. sheer denial of the abusive relationship she's in of what she's chosen to do of what she's accepting in her life um and and she you know as as we get towards the end and we actually like and they and they finally get caught and she she actually turns to be this fairly religious person who basically gives herself over to god um well that's that's another interesting thing is like throughout the show you see like she is like she talks that she's very catholic mm -hmm. like she taught she goes to confession at one point Mm -hmm. and walks out like she talks about priests and has rosary and clearly like struggles with all of this which is why my one big thing that i wish this show did was show you a little bit more about how he managed to like like he's not that hot no like how did he like how did he manage to control her in this way like i feel like the show wants me to assume it's because she thinks he sees her where other people don't but i don't know if it's just like 
because because the narrative is not straightforward enough for me to like watch that happen i just sort of have to take it as read which is not as satisfying um i also think that like there's a level of 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 what it is to be a person in an abused relationship which is never quite spelled out that they sort of want you to sort of assume in place and that coleman is doing as much as she can to sort of you know show not tell but I think mm-hmm. again with 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 the with the completely like jumbled narrative, it's definitely lost in the first couple of episodes. Um, the 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 whole the, the second episode where you see like how he sort of like you know h- how he did classic abuse tactics to her um, helps. He's an excellent gaslighter. Oh my gosh, and 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 excellent love bomber, and like the whole thing with the puppy, and like I just like I really like. I this is also a very triggering show for anyone who's been in like a, an abusive relationship I think and that's another like reason where I was just like this this is a really hard show to watch on a lot of levels and I I I think I, I'm actually amazed that this was so huge um because I don't know like I I feel like that that maybe Netflix viewers may flock to this because it is so like eyebrow raising but at the same time like I think it's because it's so bingeable like that's I think why it was so popular on iPlayer it's like impossible to stop yeah I I I I found I I found so many things in this to be like you know like seriously like I like I was like trigger warning trigger warning you know content warning content warning like I was just like this is I I I'm really glad I don't have to recap this because I don't know how I could (laughs) um yeah that's why I just reviewed it and didn't recap it um, <laughs> mostly because I don't know that I could have untangled the the through line of when things happen in a tangible way. But um, I do think, I think you're right. I think Jenna Coleman is really great in this. And I think um, it's such an against type role for her too. I think that's part of the reason that I like it. Oh yes, absolutely. And I do... <sighs> I don't know. I do think that the show does her character a little bit of a disservice by not letting it sort of build into something coherent because it goes back and forth so many times when she when when they're in Paris together and she's like, oh, my gosh, did you kill these people? And I'm like, girl, you literally like brought him some people with gems. What did you think he did to them? like? I don't like there's just like a level of. I don't, what am I, how am I trying to say this? I just don't, like, there's a level of suspension of disbelief that I have, like, with her ability to kind of not be aware of what's happening versus, like, suddenly she's like, oh my gosh, you killed people. I'm a murderer. And I'm like, you literally, like, no, you, 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 like, there's this extended sequence where she, like, catfishes some people. Right? Like, and, and that's what I mean by, like, she lives, like, a completely different narrative than what's actually, like, she has her own utter, like, you know, in interior narrative of what's happening around her that really denies the reality of what's happening around her. Like at one point, I think somebody says to her, like, you know, how did you, how did you get here? And she basically says, Oh, I was on vacation. And I'm like, dude, like you like, that is not even. And like, there's a, there is a moment. I, there's another moment. I guess this comes, this comes somewhere in the muddled middle of, uh, of everything where you sort of get the moment when she, the, the scales fall from her eyes and she sort of sees the reality of this intensely abusive relationship she's in and that she's trapped. And then literally like the next sequence is her and him killing a bunch more people like in a row in a montage. And like, I, that's that the, the, montages like that by the way are the hardest part of this show to take because they are the moment when this stuff becomes sort of romanticized in a way like Mm -hmm. it's a very tropey thing to do to have like you know the two murderers getting away with it um and like you know i mean and it doesn't help that they like are wearing banging outfits like the soundtrack is killer like it really does have like a natural born killers vibe at certain times right which i think is fine if that's the kind of story you're telling but i don't think that's what this show is and i think yeah it gets it gets it gets a little messy and i know like we've really been in in the past year or two we've really been like in a in a run with shows like this that tell true crime stories that really work hard to not glamorize the murderers to really focus on the victims and to really show you not just what monsters these people were but like how many 
tangential lives he they destroy in addition to the people whose lives they literally take away like uh des does a really great a really great job of this and so does uh what was the one on hbo hbo max recently white white house Farm. oh the the, the murders at white house farm like they're really they're really conscientious about stuff like that like it's not the the point of the story is not to to sort of dazzle you with the Dexter-like abilities of this person who was real and did take real people's lives. And I think the serpent tries to have it a little bit both ways at various points, and it's disturbing. Uh, I would also say that it does the same thing with Herman, and um, I can't think of the girl. Angela. 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 Um, the two of... The- She's German. You have to say it in the German way. Angela. Uh, the two of them, like their relationship and how their relationship basically almost implodes from his obsession with finding this guy is another plot point that the show keeps returning to over and over again that this guy is basically he's on this quest for justice but it's also destroying his life but then again at the end when we do finally get Charles in jail and he really does get caught and 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 Herman's obsession means that all these years later like 20 years later he still has the evidence in a box somewhere and can come up with it and yeah and he like gets these people justice right and then he gets these people justice. so there's you know it, it, it's it's sort of like again the show tries to have it both ways with this the, you know is he a hero or is he obsessed well he's both but he's all you know this was terrible of him he 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 basically ruined his career by doing this you know he basically mm-hmm. screwed up his his relationship by doing this and yet he also gets justice in the end too so it's sort of like it doesn't quite know if it 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 it, it, it doesn't quite know if it wants it to be like we and i i appreciate yeah it's like it doesn't it doesn't really know how it wants its audience to feel and i'm thinking specifically there's a sequence I have to put a big spoiler warning on this because I'm just talking about spoilers everywhere. There's a sequence where Monique and Alan and AJ all get arrested. Oh, right. And this is like very early in the story. Like this is like midway through the story. And part of like reading context clues, you're like, this is episode five. There's no way this is like where they get arrested. And the sequence of that, like literally there's a sequence where they just walk out of jail Mm -hmm. and they walk out of jail and there's like a, it's like slow-mo and there's a banging soundtrack underneath them. And it feels like, and it's because Charles knew how to play the system because at this point, because he'd thought it all through because he'd been in jail in India before he'd been, he'd been arrested before and he knew like the system and he figured out how to play it. So when they do get arrested, he knows exactly what to say and exactly how to fight these people. And because basically, he's you know he i mean he there there's a whole thing about how he's not actually white and that they that some of the racist stuff he did is he he experienced is part of what drove him to become this or at least in his eyes is his excuse but there's a level of well we're the white people and you're not so we can just kind of walk out of here now and the cops just kind of bow to it <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean i sort of get i sort of get the undercurrent of corruption Mm -hmm. and how easily bribable all these sort of Thai police are. My complaint was more of the framing of their kind of exit from jail as like this sort of heroic thing, Mm -hmm. which is uncomfortable because they all belong in jail oh yeah um and and frustrating because you want you you want herman to win and you want you want like and you want him and and angela to really like take these people down and nobody's helping them whatsoever and there's almost a level where of course he becomes massively obsessed and will not like let a single bit of evidence like get out of his possession because he can't trust anybody but at the same time that's also terrible because he's completely destroying his life and it's it's really hard to know like and you wonder if like his partner was like yeah he should have just shot him (laughs) right like i am not advocating murder right like there but and and i get that like that's that making complicated figures like this is part of prestige tv you don't want simple you know heroes and simple villains i mean you wouldn't get eight episodes out of the show if you didn't try to uh humanize is the wrong word but it's something close to that like to to three-dimensional to make monsters three-dimensional like you wouldn't get eight episodes of a show if you were just like this man murdered a bunch of people he is bad which 
is true. But there's a level of onioning that is om- that, that that is almost too much here. If, if if you know what I mean, like there's just mm-hmm. you don't need you don't need to over onionize with all the layers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and at least like not in the order in which they're presented. I think you can. I think you can. Uh, tell the story of how a person who has experienced all of these terrible things, because I don't, I don't think the show tries to excuse him by saying he had a terrible childhood and an abusive relationship with his parents, but it does, you know, it's part of the reason why he is the way he is. And it's part of the reason that he learned how to manipulate people so thoroughly, but you don't find that information out until it's almost like not even useful anymore. <laughs> right. And the same thing with the wife and the, 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 Ju- the wife, Juliet, who is almost spinning image of, uh, of Marie slash Monique. Um, and like, apparently like she left him and that was sort of one of the driving things that put him on this path. And like when he goes back to her, like she looks at Monique and she goes, she goes, she looks just like me. And he goes, well, yes. And like, it's weird and creepy and obsessive. But at the same time, like, I'm, I'm not sure if that's supposed to make him sympathetic to me or not. And like, she comes back. I think there, I think there is a difference between like a piece of factual information being shared and it being intended to make you feel a certain way about him. Like I can fully still feel that he is a monster while understanding the pieces that, that have built the monster, if you know what I mean, because I do think rightly or wrongly, and maybe this is how, maybe, maybe this is like the way it has to be. I feel like Charles is the person with the least interiority in the show and maybe that's a good thing because i think his interiority is probably terrible but also it makes it really hard to see why people follow him do you know what i mean like he's supposed to be he's supposed to be this really like he's not that charming (laughs) and like you could it is interesting to watch him sort of switch personas around people like that is very fascinating but there's also no underpinning for how or why he learned to do that. I don't know if I'm describing my problem with this, but I feel like he, he, he is very serpent like, but cause, you know, cause he like sheds, he sheds different skins all the time. He becomes different people, but I don't know if the point of the story is that there isn't anything at the center and that's why he's so terrifying or not. I don't know. I was a lot of words to not say a lot. of <laughs> Um, and I think it's very interesting also because he, you know we see him sort of shifting personas all the time and yet never seeming charming and yet everyone seems to be charmed by him marie does not do that she basically just has monique who is sort of this cool as a cucumber fashion model who you know doesn't really exist it's and it's almost like like that's part of as i as i said she's got this sort of like you know interior narrative that has nothing to do with actual reality well I do think I do think the show does a better job with her in the sense that you can physically see how she changed. Like you can physically see her kind of building the armor of the huge sunglasses, mm. the headscarves, the outfits, like the high fashion looks like you could see her building that exterior in a way that makes it clear that it is not the same as the interior. Yeah. But I don't know which one is the exterior and which one is the interior with Charles. And maybe that's the point. Maybe there is no interior or maybe it's just like so broken it doesn't exist anymore i don't know i would just really i mean i'm i am fascinated by figures like this and like manson who have such like thrall over people and i guess i just want to know why and i don't feel like this show got me any closer to knowing why people were so willing to like i mean if i'm going to a foreign country i'm not shacking up in some dude's house i just met like at the starbucks (laughs) what like who does that? Well, again, as I said, this is this really sort of helped me understand a world that really didn't exist by the time you and I were in our twenties. Like this would not we we could not have even if we were the kind of people who would do this. And I I wasn't, and I sort of get the sense you probably weren't either. I don't. This world didn't exist by the time the late nineties rolled around. Like people didn't do this. Just like everyone is very dirty, and that's not something that I'm into. Right? Like we we just this didn't exist quite in the same way anymore. People didn't just go over there and bum around, and there weren't tons of people around them also bumming around that they could bum around with. Like that didn't exist anymore. And also, you know, there's also a level where every where where there's 
where where our technology has moved on as well. So there's a level where we don't understand. Like that that, that scene. Okay, that scene where he. Oh my gosh! When they just steal people's, when they steal people's passports by like getting a glue stick i was just like are you serious i just had to go through all this business of like changing my name because i got married i still haven't changed my passport yet because i like the list of things you have to do to like change your name on your passport is obnoxious astonishingly long (laughs) and i'm just like this man just had like a glue stick and a sharpie (laughs) um Honestly, I was thinking of the, 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 the poisoning of the Germans all at the end in the final episode where he tells them, oh, just take this th- this thing I, I, I heard about from a chemist and you'll all feel better. Mm, I don't know. I feel like the, the cult of protein powders and stuff makes that the most realistic one for me. It's <laughs> like I fully believe that they'd be like, oh, this is some uh, far Eastern like brain power thing. That was believable. I mean, some of the other stuff, like when he's very clearly like putting pills in people's drinks, like I know people get roofied all the time and this still happens, but it's just like it feels so obvious. Right. And I think also because I, I mean, I when I went to clubs, I was always very aware that roofied being roofied could happen at any time. Right. Like, don't let a stranger hold your drink. Right. Don't take a drink from a stranger. Like, honestly, like really. If somebody don't... wants to buy you a drink, get them to get it directly from the bartender. Stand there while they do it. These are lady safety tips that women know. Right. And like, I feel like there's a level where this wasn't as prevalent in those times. And maybe, may- like I said, you will be so glad for the GPS on your phone, <laughs> right? Like, there's just uh, so much, so much of this is all. I, I don't know if he could pull this off today. Oh, one hundred percent, no. I mean, probably the murdering, yes, but I don't think he certainly would. He certainly would not have been able to freely travel through countries in such a legitimate manner because he's not like sneaking over the border into Pakistan. He's like going through customs. And I just don't think that um, I, ju- I, th- I think blessedly our technology has moved to the point where it would I'm sure it's possible to fake IDs and passports and I'm sure criminals do it all the time. But I don't think they would be able to fake a dozen from five different countries quite as easily as he does here. Is this also why we don't have serial killers in quite the same way anymore? Like, I feel like there was a, a period in, in in history where serial killers all sort of like appeared towards the end of the 60s and through let like... me talk about this oh um part of it is there are definitely still serial killers okay um it's just that we don't know about them yet evan peters evan peters about evan peters is about to play jeffrey dahmer like get ready for that cast but he was like he was like in the 80s and 90s but um i do think a lot of another reason i think that um someone operating like Sabraj did today would not work is because everybody would be documenting their travels on social media. And so it would, you like, you would be like, here I am in Kathmandu. And people would have like a, a more immediate real time kind of map of where you were. So it would be part of the, part of the reason he got away with so many of these things is just that somebody disappearing in, in the far East was not like shocking. You know, like people go there to find themselves and they just never come back. And nowadays people would be like, oh, he hasn't updated his Insta in like however many days or blah, blah, blah. So I think the ubiquity of of technology has really helped, has really helped with that. I also think we have better DNA testing. We have better blood analysis, like sort of the, the technology of capturing bad people has gotten better as well. I'm sure there are still people doing terrible things. And... A lot of times, one of the things that I've learned from my true crime spree is a lot of times when somebody does a bunch of murders and then stops doing murders, it's because they went to jail on a different crime. So, I don't know. I, I, there are monsters in the world. Maybe they just, maybe they have adapted to technology. I don't know. Yeah, I I um, I am very glad that the show sort of runs through it at the at the very end the show runs through like what happened to all of these characters and one of the things it tells you is that is that um is that he that charles is basically in jail and has been in jail and isn't going anywhere um and is basically probably going to die there at this point um which is probably the most satisfying thing but honestly there's a level where i don't feel like Okay, you know what? How it says it. Okay, at the very end, it says it, it basically dedicates the the show to all the oh, to, to all like the, all the dreamers who didn't come home. Yeah, or something to that effect. I wish that instead they had actually just named the people who died. 
I wish that we I had... actually I agree with you. I, I actually think they could have done both. I think they could have had that be like the top thing and then have people's names. Um, maybe they don't know all their names that did ha- in, in Des, for example, he killed a bunch of people. Des Nielsen, he was Scottish, a serial killer. He killed a bunch of people. He killed so many people that he couldn't remember them all. And he uh, prayed on he prayed on uh, like homeless people, poor kids in London in the 80s who didn't who were kind of off the grid anyway. So like he never knew who they were. So he killed a ton of people whose names we still don't know to this day. So it's possible they don't know. Um, And that's uh, that's, of course, assuming that the that the 12 are the only ones, which I doubt. Right. Like, no, I, I, um, I, I, I believe when I was sort of reading stuff, I think he was like something to the effect of three dozen that it, he could be responsible for up to like three dozen murders or something like that. Like something really like, like, like some real kind of like astonishing number of people who disappeared, who we don't know if we can assign to him because no one really knows what happens to them or who they were. And I, I get that, but I, I, I feel like... I feel because the show made me so angry on their behalf that I wasn't quite given the 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 satisfaction like seeing him finally go to jail and seeing like Herman run to his boxes and find like the exact piece of paper he needs and faxing it over there and it getting there in time was really great and all but I this show is great at like tension I will give it that like it's really good at I'm always impressed I will let you finish your thought in a second, but I'm always impressed by shows where I know the ending that still make me question whether the ending that I know is the truth will happen. And that happened several times in this story. Um, I, I absolutely agree with that, but I was so angry at how everyone had sort of dropped the ball and let this dude get away with this for so long that it almost felt like an afterthought that he'd finally gotten into jail and was done. Like I was just I, I it didn't it didn't feel satisfying. And I don't know if and, and that was one of those moments where it's like, well, maybe that's how true crime just is. And I'm just not into it. And this is one of the reasons why. Um, I mean, some sometimes I, I think it depends on who's telling the story and like what the point of the story is. Um, I don't know if you have read. You probably haven't a book called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I have heard of it. I have not actually read it, but I do know a lot of people who have. It's really, really good. And it's very centered on the Golden State Killers victims. And, and that's Billy right. Like, I the, I, a bunch of my friends read it and were actually talking about how obsessed. Oh, uh, it was so good. But but how obsessed she comes across in it, and how like oh yeah, she's very Herman in that way. Yeah, but it was it's Patton Oswalt's late wife right. who did it, and she um really I think I truly I I don't know that anyone will ever be able to prove this, but I fully believe that it was the obsessive work that she did here that really helped bring this man who raped dozens of people and murdered. And murdered more on top of that, like, to justice. And, I I mean, that's a legacy, I think. She she passed away before he was arrested. But, uh, like, that's a very centered on... It just, I, th- I think there's a genre of true crime that's very into who are these people that did the thing. And then there's another lane that's very, like, who are these people this monster did the thing to? And... Sometimes those things intersect and sometimes they don't. Uh, It depends. Like there are a lot of, you know, questions about who, like the Atlanta child murders, for example, there's a man in jail for that, that they pretty much have, have, you know, we're pretty sure that he's the one that did it, but mm, he might not be. I mean, I'm pretty sure he is. He just says he's not. And I think he's a liar, but like, there's a very, like, it depends like what, you know, what kind of, of story people are telling. And I think one of the other parts where the serpent really falls down for me is that it doesn't give you like a huge sense of all these lives that he took. And B, it it sort of rushes the kind of after after spending eight episodes going back and forth in time, it kind of rushes the 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 denouement for me because he it doesn't really dig into like why he suddenly goes back to Thailand and literally like gets a picture in the paper of him in front of a very recognizable like sign just, like he goes back to like like taunting he basically ta- goes back to taunt the police that he's there as a free man yeah and i don't i don't know why yeah. like i just i mean maybe maybe it's just because like 
that's just how he's wired and he needs the thrill of like getting away with it and once that was once he'd kind of gotten away with it like that didn't it wasn't as exciting i don't know i don't really want to like parse the mind of a psychopath too much but like i don't feel like the show really right and i i feel like narratively got me to that point yeah and i feel like also you know considering that we don't get a lot of the victim's perspective like other than dominique i think is the guy who who is the one who actually manages to get home yeah the one that actually gets out yeah like other than him like we don't get a lot of we get a lot of people laying around writhing in bed holding their stummy holding their tummies but that's about it like we don't get a lot of their backstory we don't get a lot of sympathy towards them a lot of their point of views and I, I I think that if 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 we if we gotten a lot more of that, then not having his and not having things like that explained would have felt more justified. But we didn't get either. We didn't get either them or him. We just sort of got a mush. And I I really do feel like I I I don't I don't think this could have been less episodes honestly, but at the same time I feel like after the second episode I couldn't tell you anything with with any specific with any specificity which what happened in episode three as opposed to episode five as opposed to episode like I said it is a binge show yeah it it's a mush it, that is particularly what you just said that is why it's like a binge show because yeah. it's sort of it. <sighs> I hate to use the phrase like eight hour movie because we should stop as a business. We should stop as a business using those kind of phrases. Amen. But like that is how this really like treats this story because I don't like you are 100% correct. I cannot tell you really what the third episode. I can remember that like certain chunks of things happened either more forward or, or later in the season. Like Julia doesn't show up until like episode five or six. Like we don't meet the mom until like episode six or seven. Um, they definitely ditch AJ in like episode six and it's like, but other than that, like I can't. Yeah. All, all of the victims are sort of a, a blur. Right. And except, and except for the one that stuck with me is the American girl who was going to Nepal. She was in the first episode. Oh, right. Like, but there's also the other one that, um, the one, I don't remember her name. The one that, um, the one that, that, that kind of becomes like their mole with uh, uh, Natalie. Oh, Nadine. Nadine, thank you. Like, yeah, and she was, she was, she was just the neighbor, though. Oh, that's right. Okay. I don't think she was ever like part of the murder cult. She just lived in the same complex, and I guess was. But she sort, but she's sort of their spy on the inside in a yeah. way. And like, yeah, that's right, uh, Hercules. Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, um, but no, again, like I, I don't actually remember what episode she turned up in, and I don't remember why she sort of went away. Like she just, well, I, they had to, they had to go into hiding. Oh, that's right. After, after, she like spied in the, she spied in their house and drew a map of where the safe with the passports was. Oh right, yeah, but again, like I don't remember any of that, like until you tell me that because it's sort of all a mush, and like <laughs> yeah, so that's that, anyway. Um, I, I absolutely. Although, I mean, I feel like I should. I feel like we should wrap up this episode of wildly um, divergent <laughs> topics by. Did you like it? Because I actually liked it a lot. Um, I think that all of those flaws are one hundred percent present, and I think it does. I think it could have been a better show than it is, but I really enjoyed watching it. And I don't know if that's because it's like like a cotton candy kind of show where you just like eat a whole bunch of it and then feel a little sick after. But I enjoyed. I enjoyed the experience of viewing it. Um, I learned about a terrible person that I did not know existed prior to this. And I think Jenna Coleman did wonderful. I don't feel like we talked about the guy who played Sabraj enough, but um, what's his name? Tamir Rahim, something like that. Yeah. He's really good at being monstrous, but I don't know that the show gave me like enough to work with, like why he does the things he does, but maybe that's for the best because a lot of this was already really disturbing as it was but on the whole like i thumbs up for me i'm not sure my my <laughs> as, no 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 seriously like and as i said towards the beginning you know people used to come up to me and say i i i tried game of thrones and it just isn't for me i uh, i i tried this and it just wasn't for me like i i intellectually understood that it was like that, that it was doing a really good job with what it was doing mostly like i i'm not sure that the timeline stuff was too much to for in my in my opinion like i think it really could have like been a lot more linear yeah but i do think that's a trend in current sort of prestige television right. that needs to like take a breather is that like it is a really okay to tell the story in the order that it happens right uh 
it is it is gorgeous to look at. It is gorgeous to listen to. It is it is it is incredibly well acted. Um, the story is fascinating. Um, I think that if you like this sort of thing, this is exactly the sort of thing you're going to like. It yes. just wasn't for me. And you know what? Sometimes recognizing when something is not for you is important. Yep. And good. And because you know what, life 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 is short, and peak TV is vast. Yeah, I think that is correct. If you are like me, a person who enjoys true crime things or anything like that, you will probably like this. Is it going to be the best one you ever watch? No, it's really not. Watch Des if you really want a super like victim focused solving the murders, getting justice sort of thing. Watch that one. But if you just want like it, it is wildly entertaining. I will give you that. Okay, um, that is our verdict on the serpent. So, Annie, tell the people where you live on the internet. Uh, let's see. You can find me at Annie Bundle on on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my adorable one year old cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. They are very fuzzy. Um, you, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. I am also a regular contributor to Televisions.org. Plus, I freelance around the web. So, uh, if you uh, basically want to, you know, know what I've written this week, just uh, follow me on Twitter because I retweet all my bylines. Woohoo! I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. I write a lot of televisions as well as other places around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So be my friend for my thoughts on superhero programming in addition to period dramas. If you just want the cat pictures, my cats are also very fuzzy, but only about eight months old. They are at Baker and Hammer on Instagram. The site and the pod are also on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. If you have thoughts about true pro- true crime podcasts I should listen to, your feelings on the serpent or other British murdery shows, you can send us an email at televisions at weta.org. Sneak preview. We got a very nice message from Minwa from San Diego. Hi. And we are definitely going to do an episode based around a question she asked us and a topic she thought we should discuss. So we are here. We are listening. Send us your thoughts and you may get to, you know, be the impetus for something we talk about later. Uh, televisions. Yes, that is us. We are a product of WETA and you can find us at televisions.org. If you like what we do, click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it and support public media at the same time. It is spring where we are. Uh, people are getting vaccinated. The birds are singing. It's suddenly 80 degrees in the DC area. I don't know. It's really warm. We live in a swamp. This was a mistake, (laughs) but, uh, As per usual, as we head into another COVID summer, hopefully it will be a slightly less terrible COVID summer, but do what you can do to protect yourselves and everyone else. Wear a mask, social distance, take hand sanitizer, wash your hands, and please, please, please get vaccinated as soon as you are eligible to do so. We are all in this together and we are only going to get out of it together. And until then, we'll be here live from my bedroom floor talking about stuff. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.